Hello and welcome to Nomad Neek's Lifestyle. Thank you so much for joining me again for another episode. This one I am so excited for you to hear. I recorded it with a really good friend that I met in Shenzhen my second year in the city. And right now she is stuck at home in South Africa due to COVID, hoping to make her way back to China soon enough. And she really has a lot of experience teaching English and has just gone through a lot of different life struggles since being in China than what I have experienced. So I really had a fun time talking to her and learning some things about her journey that I didn't even know. So please take a listen and I hope that you enjoy this podcast and I hope that you get a little bit of insight from it for whatever your journey may hold next. Enjoy. We have Emmy, who is one of my really good friends that I met in Shenzhen, actually my second year in China. Um, we've had a lot of fun adventures together and more recently adventures apart when we both got stuck at home. So, um, Emmy right now is in South Africa and she's taught a couple other places as well as China. So we'll kind of get into all of that. So thanks, Emmy. Hi. Yeah. Thanks. I'm excited. Okay. So first question. How did you initially decide to come to China and what was the draw to come to Shenzhen specifically? Okay, so in 2015, I decided I want to do just travel the world. I was busy doing acting um, and the industry was just not it. <laughs> um, it was really difficult. As you, I'm sure you know, the acting industry is like really difficult industry and at the time there weren't a lot of jobs I was just mostly booking commercials and it wasn't feasible to do long term and I didn't want to do waitressing or anything like that so um, yeah I decided let's have another adventure I traveled maybe five years prior I went to Europe and I just fell in love with traveling and the idea of traveling I had some friends um, that taught English abroad and just a lot of my friends were leaving the country at the time and it's just something I always wanted to pursue so I decided okay let's just see where we can go um, I wanted to go to Korea I think my story is kind of similar to yours like yeah. my initial <laughs> like I, I started out I was researching places in Korea and stuff and we actually might have came across the same recruiter um, I think it was like Star now, Gold Star, not Star now, that's a casting agency. <laughs> um, Gold Star Recruiting or something with Star Recruiting. And the guy's name was Dan. And he messaged me. He was a recruiter for Korea and China, I think. But he kept promoting China. Yeah. So I was like, it wasn't really on my, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really on my radar or anything. But yeah, he just convinced me. And also I wasn't getting a lot of, um, um, I wasn't getting a lot of offers for Korea at the time. So, yeah, I decided, you know what, I want to leave. It's a nice adventure. It was Beijing. So, you know, Beijing was always of interest to me anyways um, when looking into China. So, yeah, I just decided, yeah, let me 
let me just take the risk. Let me just go on this adventure and just see what happens. And that's how I ended up in Beijing. Nice. I feel like that's literally then, what, what everyone does. It's like, take the risk, see what happens. I can always go home if I need to, but like, see what happens, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you asked me about Shenzhen. Okay, so <laughs> after Beijing, I it was a, it was a rough uh, couple of months, I should say. I was there for just less than a year. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm not hating or anything, but um, yeah, being a person of color, yeah. Um, I had some challenges, I should say, when it came to the ESL field, um, things that, you know, I was really uncomfortable with in the beginning. For example, one of the schools I was working for had told me at the time, um, that I should wait in a classroom, um, because they didn't want the parents to see me. And I was like, uh, Okay. And then it happened frequently. And at one point, I was like, I don't understand why you hired me as a teacher, but you don't want the parents to see me. But these were the parents that would come for demo lessons. So demo lessons, are, for those of you that don't know, demo lessons are when you would sort of recruit students, they would come to the academy, and then you would have to do like a like sort of like a commercial just like draw them in like a marketing lesson basically and they wouldn't want the parents to see me at these things so they would be like just stay in your office do work and we'll tell you like when to come out so it was like I was in prison I was like uh okay <laughs> you know so I didn't like that so I decided okay I don't work for this company so I switched agencies and the second school I was at everything was really nice in the beginning but, you know, I just, <laughs> there was a lot of um, office politics with it all. And I get, kept getting asked about my salary. And some of the, the teachers would complain like, yeah, you guys make so much more money than us. And it was just a lot of office politics going on. So, yeah, I just finished the rest of the semester and I decided, okay, this is a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of things happening here. I need some. I needed. I need something else. I need a different adventure. So, um, yeah, I gave in my notice. And at the end of that semester, I decided I need a break. So I went to Singapore, and it was the best. I had the best time in Singapore. It was like a month or two or something like that. Um, and then after that, I ended up going to Vietnam. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to stay in Vietnam. I went to um, Nha Trang. Nha Trang. I can never say that word properly. It's a coastal city. And I was just having a good time. I was like, yes, this is amazing. This is fun. Started running out of my savings. So <laughs> I decided, okay, that's not good. <laughs> I need to work. <laughs> So I ended up looking for a teaching position in um, in Nutrang firstly. Couldn't find anything. Um, then I was like, I like the coastal city, so let me try Danang. It was also really difficult to find work there. A lot of positions were in Hanoi. But at the time, um, I wasn't lucky enough to get to find something there for some reason. So I ended up getting a job in this small city known as Vin City. I mean, so many Vietnamese people didn't even know where that was. <laughs> so yeah, it was crazy. It was like in the middle of nowhere. Um, no foreigners there, nothing. I think I saw one 
one couple one time that was like a foreigner and then um at the school I was working at I eventually met two or three other people but I it was you never saw any foreigners there so that was crazy and I was like okay I can't stay here for too long this is crazy I did a lot of moving as you can tell <laughs> um yeah so I decided okay I I really wanted to go to Korea in the first place let me just look into that um yeah so I did my applications um I was dating someone at the time and they got a school so yeah we were just decided okay let's just go anyway I'll go on a like a tourist visa or something and just try and apply when I get there because I wasn't successful finding work online so <laughs> I just went with him and then yeah when I got there I luckily the school that hired him said okay we need another teacher we'll hire you so I just got hired on the day I arrived so that was nice um oh I forgot to mention yeah I was so I was in Vietnam for like uh five to six months or something before we actually ended up moving so yeah we left I was really happy about that <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, Vietnam is really beautiful and everything. It's just that the city I was in where I could find work, it wasn't ideal. So yeah, I ended up going to uh, Korea and I was really excited about that. Um, yeah, so I ended up t working at the school. We stayed in Korea for about two years. Um, and then my ex and I broke up and I decided I needed a new adventure. And that's where Shenzhen comes in. <laughs> I... I got back on the online, you know, <laughs> ESL job market sites. And um, this time I was finally successful in my online application search, <laughs> the online job search, I should say. And um, yeah, I found a school, I found a recruiter um, that was recruiting for Shenzhen. Um, that's when we actually ended up at the same agency. Um, but I didn't know we were at the same agency. I didn't know you at the time, but yeah, I was the year after you. I came a year after you, I think. Yeah. Um, so I was with a whole new group of people. And so I think that's why we never really knew each other. But yeah, we ended up at the same agency my first year. And yeah, that... I think you should let the people know about what the agencies are like in Shenzhen because well, I just did I just did a whole podcast, the previous one, on the difference between public and private. So kind of yeah. you, I talked about like public how you're always with a company. So it's like that's how we met. We were with the company Haida. But I do find it interesting because you were like we didn't really talk the first year because when you're in those companies I find usually you have like such a good crew of people your first year that you like don't stray you know you're like there's like so many people we're all new we all want to explore the city so it's like I don't need any other friends because I have so many friends in this crew you know you're like they're taking up all my weekends as it is but it's fun because like we had the same crew my first year but then a lot of them went back home you know yeah. I don't know it's just yeah. like a recurring pattern of like having awesome crews when you're with these companies you're not making a lot of money like it's your first year but it's just so much fun yeah it's like an exciting time and you're constantly meeting people that's like the sad thing and the nice thing about it you build lots of different relationships it's good while it lasts but then it ends and that's the sad part you know because yeah. people are always coming and going yeah, but yeah so that yeah go ahead 
Um, now I was going to say, that's um, what I really liked about it, but that was sad, what was really bad too. But yeah, then after that, um, I had some challenges with that company from salary to, you know, just, just things. <laughs> but, you know, um, there, there's definitely like a hierarchy thing, at least for that agency. I definitely, a few, a few friends and I definitely felt the, the sense of hierarchy with um, salaries and how they would pay people depending on where you were from and just the expectations they had from you. I don't think it was quite fair throughout the whole, the whole process. Also, the school put me in a teaching position that I didn't want to be in. I asked them, I told them I didn't want to teach kindergarten or anything. And then they said, well, that's the only position we have for you. So, you know, if you want the visa, that's what you're going to have to get. Um, because before I went there, I didn't actually have a school. We just had like the agency and they were kind of like the employer. Mm -hmm. so they were going to just place me once I got there I was going to do interviews and stuff and I'd given them my specifications and everything the groups the age groups I wanted to teach but yeah they never actually let me teach those groups I was doing kindergarten for a while kindergarten is quite tiring oh my gosh so <laughs> it's like all day it's like I was used to the idea of going into class teaching and having my break and leaving but with kindergarten you have to just it's all day. So you're just like running off to kids. It's not so much teaching, but it's just like all day running off to kids. And oh my gosh, it was so tiring. And oh, the fighting and the crying and the, you know, it's just a lot. So I was not happy. Like it was, it was rough. Yeah. I just, <sighs> so anyways, I spoke to the company and I was like, look, this is not what I want to do. I did it because you guys didn't have anyone else that was doing it. This is my only option, but it's been a while now. I think it was like six months in and I was like, I, I need you guys just to move me into a position that I actually applied for. And they said, we don't have anything. And so that's where that relationship ended. And I moved to a different school again. Um, <laughs> this is so much right? moving. Sorry? Different company. Different, yeah, different company. Sorry, I moved to a different company. That's when the relationship with that agency ended. So this new company, their salary wasn't great either. But when you switch schools, you don't have a lot of time um, to do that because if you only you have a month where you can apply for this humanitarian visa, which will allow you to look for work in between. But if you don't find anything, you have to leave the country. So you know, I was there wasn't a lot of time for me to do this all in. So I just kind of took the first other job I could get, you know, so I joined a new agency and they found me a position that I actually wanted. Um, so I was with that job and it was cool. Um, but I only joined for, I think it was a semester because I heard about the school we ended up working at together before the pandemic and the salary was just like, it was so good. So I, I bought myself out of my old agency. And yeah, that's when I joined the company that we were both with. Um, and it was great until the pandemic happened. And, you know, we all got stuck abroad. Uh, but yeah, I was really happy at that agency. So it's been a lot of up and down, a lot of issues um, with office politics and 
you know, some inequality situations, which I don't think it's really necessary to get into on this specific uh, podcast. But yeah, it's been an interesting journey, to say the least. Yeah, well, I know whatever happened, I'm just so happy that you ended up in Shenzhen. And even if you're not here now, like, you know, we'll always be friends. So yeah, well, let's hope that changes. Like Real soon. You know, <laughs> real soon. Borders are opening up, you know, things are happening. So yeah. Okay, looking forward awesome. to going back. Thank you. Very thorough. So, just like very general, what was life in Shenzhen like for you in terms of meeting other expats? Like ex- how expensive the city was. Um, just like general life. Like, would you say it was something that you'd want to come back to, or it was like kind of a fun passing time? Like, I don't know. What's your take on life outside of work in the city? I would say that socially, it was actually really nice because just meeting so many different people. I don't know what happened to me, to be honest. When I came to Shenzhen, I was just like a social butterfly. I just ah, like, you ended were. Up- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't like that in Korea. I was that when I was um, before traveling. But when I went to Korea, I think a lot of the the things around you know, my first time traveling and I don't know, I just, I I was just taking everything in, you know, experiencing things for the first time. I had a lot of culture shock. So I was in a different mindset, but when I came to Shenzhen, I was like looking for a new adventure, you know, so I was just feeling like, you know, friendly and like, let me just experience life. I was just, you know, hyped up. So I went to Shenzhen and was just really nice meeting like so many people, especially around my own age. Um, I found that the foreigners or the foreign community in in Shenzhen, it was just so much easier to like meet people and and everyone was just more open. And I think everyone was just like in the same boat. I don't know why I didn't have that in Korea, but in Shenzhen, it was just really like nice to feel that sense of community, you know, that usually you get to meet people at these agencies that hire you. So that was also great because when I was in Korea, I just went in straight through the actual school, but in China, I went through an agency. So, you know, anyways, so I met all these awesome people and that just helped me so much because going somewhere by yourself is, you know, you're like sort of worried about safety and, you know, lone, being lonely. You know, if you, I mean, some people like being loners, but I'm not one of those people. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was just nice. So yeah, the social scene, I would say, it's not really that big. Like there aren't, there aren't a lot of expats, like kind of people end up, you do kind of end up meeting a lot. Like you end up having a lot of the same friends groups or, you know, just seeing familiar faces all over town. Like it's a very common thing. You might not know someone, but you, you know them, you've seen them around. Um, the bars. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's this place called like, Oh garden, AKA Ho garden. <laughs> that place is like the initiation for all foreigners coming in you know you just kind of go through it um the alcohol is a little dodgy um (laughs) you know but it's kind of like a place where you go meet people you just have a good time so i would say like that was one of the places where i ended up meeting so many people i met a guy um on the dance floor and we just became really fr- good friends that way like he was so fun and then we ended up like knowing the same people like <laughs> it was yeah it was a good time um and then just like 
generally there's not a lot to do in Shenzhen, but I feel like there's such a sense of community. There's all these like game nights and I don't know, stand up comedy and you know, just like people just get together. So it's like trivia. this. Yeah, tri- so much trivia. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just go to see people. I don't even play, but <laughs> it's um. Why Abby? She's like all over talking to everyone. I'm like, who are these people? How do you know these people? <laughs> I don't know. I remember this one time. I think it was my birthday, and um, yeah, things got crazy. But I I ended up introducing people to like I didn't even know them, but I introduced them to like my friends. I was like, oh hey, I'm Emmy. This is uh. Hi. <laughs> friend over here we don't know each other i don't know i don't even know what happened because i swear i i'm, I'm not the person that i am <laughs> like i don't even know where all this i don't know confidence in, in that way comes from but but yeah i i like also i, I mean i usually eat western food so um the options with that there aren't many places but i have a few favorites um and you know a lot of socializing happens around you know eating so yeah there's a few cool places yeah there's a few cool places that you go and you can meet other expats at you know like in shenzhen we have the place the brew and this there's a few others but you know that's one of my favorites just to like go hang out and chill so yeah things like that are really nice in shenzhen just being able to like have that sense of community locally in the city you're in and and you know that that really helped my first year obviously in terms of traveling there's like hong kong which is just like right there so you know that's where you really go to have a good time if you if you want to like do a little bit of um sightseeing and just you know partying or something so that's nice i definitely love the love what shenzhen has to offer in terms of you know living expenses um socializing and things like that you do get paid uh, relatively well um so you can save comfortably and live comfortably and um save well and live comfortably is what i meant to say so yeah life is pretty good in shenzhen so that's why i'm trying to go back so yes i am i do plan to go back and i did really like it and i definitely recommend that people go there but also if you are there you probably want to travel outside of Shenzhen just because it's so small so you know and China's big so there's lots of other places to go even outside of China our holidays are great when you work for public schools or international schools so you get a lot of time off um so i definitely advise that over private or what do you call these centers yeah this just yeah, just training training centers that's the one. So I definitely suggest that over training centers just because the holidays are so good and yeah, it's really nice for traveling. I don't know if I answered all your questions. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. like so much info, so thank you. <laughs> so, let's see. Um <clears throat> what's one thing that you really love about living abroad and why you like the lifestyle of being abroad. Um, or it can be more one than one is just <laughs> yeah. I want to say the biggest one is just independence. 
Um, I think a lot of people in the West, especially these days, the economies are crap. <laughs> it's just like playing down. Um, so the opportunity to just be independent and just do your thing, especially like as a young adult, it's really just that sense of freedom you get um, being abroad, being able to support yourself, being able to um, meet all these amazing people and just try different things. You know, I think the thing about traveling, it's just really exciting because you're always experiencing something new, you're learning something new and it's just opens your eyes to so much. Like you just are so educated after traveling somewhere new that it's just exciting. You know, it's just worth worth the, the ups and the downs at the end of the day that you might experience, but just the experience itself is just so rewarding. So I think definitely independence and just being able to travel are like the most exciting things for me, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I agree. Totally. And especially in China, it's like such a good income. You can just be like, okay, I'm going to like ball out a little bit when I travel, you know? Yeah. Go to Indonesia, stayed at like this beautiful resort, like, and it's not even that expensive in Asia, so it doesn't even matter. Yeah, I think when you earn in, when you earn the money you make in 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 China, going to these other places is really nice. And I must say though, China for me is the highest paying um, country when it comes to ESL. Um, Korea significantly less, Thailand even more, like even less, I should say than korea so yeah i think just teaching in 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 china specifically it really just gives you opens opens you up to like just so many cool experiences just because financially it it really sets you up really well so yeah yeah totally so kind of on that note maybe not so much vietnam because you were kind of you know in the middle of nowhere but comparing china to korea in terms of like life social life meeting friends salary the job itself like which would you say all of the aspects here are better or which would you say are maybe better for people who are like kind of on the fence because i was on the fence about it initially i think you were on the fence about it initially like where to go so yeah well for me i i would say I wouldn't say one is better than the other, but I definitely enjoyed Korea a lot more socially. Um, I know that I said earlier that the whole community and like meeting friends and everything, that was better for me in Shenzhen. But in terms of things to do, entertainment, nightlife, um, Korea was just like it beautiful scenery they just cater i think because they have really cold winters and really hot summers they just have a good balance of things to do um in the winter time they have a lot of those um what's it i'm like so confused now is it noribang no ktv is in china noribang is in korea so they have a lot of karaoke um and just indoor things indoor is it baseball batting i don't know sports you know <laughs> Just like lots of different indoor like rooms, you know, they've got the PC room, PC bang, it's cold and you just, a lot of people just play games then. You've got the movie bang, which is just like where you can go and watch a movie with friends and, or dodgy things happen in those, <laughs> in those rooms. Cause you can rent out like a private little room. It's got like a little nice, comfortable, um, bed or or sofa thing yeah, I've done it's that just before they're kind of cool though but in china it's yeah they are it's all chinese 
Yeah, but they definitely like there's a lot of those all over Korea. So yeah, that's really nice. They really cater. They have so many things to do indoors. So that's really nice indoor golfing as well. Just I don't know. It's just it's just a good time. And aside from that, they have so many options in terms of potting and clubbing and things like that. Like, um, yeah, there's a really nice community when it comes to that. I'm comparing it to I'm comparing. Well, I was in Seoul. So I'm comparing that to Shenzhen. It's just like night and day. Big difference, and yeah. Like the, yeah, yeah. It's just so fun. Oh, and the food. Oh, my gosh. I love, I love Korean food. And I love all the, um, the options you can get in terms of Western food as well. I love my Western food. But I also really like Korean food. You know, I'm not sure why I don't. I think because um, being vegetarian, I um, <laughs> they in in China they aren't just the options, you know. They yeah. they aren't a lot of options. They put meat in everything, but in Korea they've got a lot of vegetable options, vegetable sides, and things Wait, like that. What? Okay, I literally have the exact opposite because I went to Korea really? like a year and a bit ago, and. I could yeah. not eat a single thing. Mind you, I went with a meat eater, but I was just like starving the whole trip. Everything is meat. What? No. Okay. So for me, like if you go to like a barbecue house, they like give you like all these sides and it's just okay. vegetable stuff. True. Like, you know, but in China, you will get vegetables and things, but they put like little pieces of meat in it all. So even if you ask for vegetables, they think they're like doing you a favor and they'll just add like meat in there. And you just kind of have to eat around it. <laughs> yeah, like it's for me, I feel I find it so hard to just find like just vegetable food and like vegetarian stuff. Yeah. Like it's always got meat in or like made or fried in pork fat or something. I don't know. It's just always got some type of meat thing in it. Whereas in Korea, I suggest you just go to a barbecue house. I know it might not be, if you're vegan, that might not be ideal. But they do serve you um, a lot of sides. And sometimes, a lot of the time, it's for free, like with your, like with the main course. So, yeah. So you just eat the sides? Do you eat like a veggie meal or just like the sides? They give you so many, so many sides, you don't really need to. <laughs> You don't really need to order anything else, but you do get like, you know, um, meals as well. Um, I think those might be harder to come around, but I mean, the sides are, you know, I don't know. I would yeah. just do that. Okay. Good to yeah. know. Good to know. Um, okay. That's a very interesting comparison, actually. I didn't like really realize that even about Korea, that it was like so many things to do. Now I'm like, I should yeah. go to Korea. <laughs> Yeah, well, like I was like, if it, if it wasn't, <laughs> if it wasn't for the salary, like honestly, yeah. the salary is just so good. Like it's hard to give up for like, yeah. it's like, do you choose finances over experiences? I guess China has a decent balance because you're able to travel to those places on vacation because yeah. you get long vacations. Whereas if you work in Korea, oh, the office hours are so long. Oh my gosh, like you work really long hours in Korea, and. Um, yeah, you're, um, if you're not working for public school, a lot of the time when you go to Korea, you do end up working for um, hagwans, also training centers. Um, yeah, so just doing that, your hours are usually long. Um, like what are the A hours? lot of the times, I mean, it will be, it's usually eight hour day. Yeah, eight hour day. And it's usually all teaching. 
it's like I know in China a lot of the time it's just office hours um, and teaching mixed together but a lot of time in Korea it's or these training centers it's just teaching so you know they might sometimes the classes aren't always scheduled I think that's a common thing in these training centers they just like switch things around whenever they feel like it but um, you know kids might come in for a demo lesson and you're like oh yeah they need you to teach now and it's not like not a set amount of teaching hours that you have it's kind of just like you work here when we need you to teach you'll teach something we might just tell you which classes you have the next day or later the week but it's like not really set they might say it's set in your contract but mm, a lot of the time at least in my experience i've seen that it just kind of changes so i don't know i just feel like the working hours there are a lot i think like average in china maybe it's like 25 hours a week you know but i feel like in korea it's like 40 30 something like that you know it's, it's just really long like teaching hours so um that's something else so you'll be working a lot but on the weekends you'll have a fun time you know if you ended up going to korea and working there but if you came to china you taught you had your holidays and you enjoyed your time in korea or anywhere else that just seems like a better balance you know so mm -hmm. that's my opinion at least yeah no i agree that's a long day i didn't realize that korea you're teaching because all i know is china teaching right so i was kind yeah. of thinking it'd be similar but eight hours straight of teaching i mean that might seem yeah. normal to teachers back home because like that's what they do but like to yeah me <laughs> not in asia <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think like, a lot of the time it's like we're like lazy. We come to both like minimum hours and just <laughs> travel experience. It's like a nice setup in China, I must say. Um, and it's not always like eight hours straight teaching, but you could do that. It could be like back to back, or maybe obviously lunchtime is excluded, but just you know, just teaching in the morning and having a full afternoon as well. A lot of training centers, though, the classes are in the evening. So you might start at one o'clock and work all the way up to like 10 or something like that. So, yeah, it all depends, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely spoiled in China. Like today was my heaviest day and I had three 40-minute classes, a two-hour lunch, and then two 35-minute classes. And I was like, this is so stressful. It's just like... <laughs> For like three hours today you know <laughs> like, yeah exactly <laughs> and it's nice i mean obviously there's all these other frustrations that come with the job so it does you know it does affect you in some type of way but overall it is a nice nice setup yeah nice yeah balance. yeah nice balance oh, that's good thanks for like telling me about that because I didn't even know that. Okay, so yeah. interesting. On to the interesting parts. I mean, not that it all hasn't been interesting, but <laughs> talking about COVID. So how has COVID affected your teaching journey and changed where you geographically are and what are your plans for the future? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what a question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we all have the, the same answer when it comes to how COVID has affected, you know, our plans. Um, but yeah, I was, I mean, you know, we were teaching at the same school. I thought I was just going on vacation. I remember us all like sitting in the break room being like, yeah, going on holiday, you know, <laughs> it's what it is. <laughs> 
Yeah, see you when you get back. Uh, getting back pod didn't really happen, you know, as we expected it to happen. Um, but yeah, I went to Bali um, thinking I was going on vacation. It was going to be my birthday soon. So, you know, I just wanted to get out, get away. Um, at the time, I didn't even realize that my visa was expiring soon because I thought that when the lady at the school, she um, she did our paperwork, you know, she said she was going to go and do it and get the work permit and everything. And so, yeah, I gave it in. She said it's all sorted, all done. And like an idiot, I didn't even think to check my passport because, you know, I just assumed it was valid. Um but it wasn't. So I left the country and shortly after that, I think a month later, my, my visa expired, but I didn't know this at the time. I just thought, you know, just, it's fine. Like she did all the paperwork. I was sorted until the end of my contract, which was in July. So, um, yeah, that wasn't the case at all. So when, anyways, I was in Bali and that's when the lockdown started happening. We're like, Oh my gosh, we need to get out. But then at the time we realized um, it was too late, like my visa had already expired. So I then had to apply for a new visa in order to go back into China. At the time, um, we, um, my boyfriend and I, we were in Bali together. We both, um, both of our, is it the, not work, but the residence permit. The residence permit is what expired. He still had a valid work permit, but my work permit and my residence permit expired um, because I only signed a one-year contract and he signed a two-year contract. So, you know, they made sure his work permit was valid. So thanks, guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so at the time we were like, okay, it's fine. We'll just go to the Chinese consulate in Bali and, you know, figure that out. Um, so we did, we did all, we did the application form and everything and we applied for a new residence permit. Um, no, for a new visa, sorry. We applied for a new visa so that we could go back to China. Um, they, we submitted our documents. They took it for processing and everything. We were supposed to get it back. I don't know what day it was, but let's say we were supposed to get it back on the following Thursday. Or two weeks, I think it took two weeks. So like, yeah, Thursday, two weeks later. Okay, two weeks later on a Thursday, um, we were supposed to get it back. What ended up happening is they called us two days before we were supposed to, I think it was two days before we were supposed to get the actual visa. Um, you know, so it would have taken two weeks to process. So yeah, we were supposed to... We was a, they phoned us two days before they were supposed to give us the completed visa. Instead, they phoned us and said, we need you guys to take back your documentation and reapply. And then we were like, um, okay. We asked them why. They said, because right now China isn't accepting any new applications. But the day they returned the documents to us, was the same day they were supposed to give it to us anyway. So I was like, you could have just like two days, you could have just processed it. Like what difference did two days really make, you know? So if they had done that, we would have had our visas and we would have, you know, been in China. But, you know, because of the whole COVID situation, that didn't happen. 
So I ended up, um, we ended up being stuck in Bali. We um, had to get an extension on our um, Bali visas. Um, we tried to do it. Uh, once that extension ran out, we, cause I think that was only for a month. We could only extend it for a month at a time or something. We try to do a long, we try to switch our tourist visas to like a long-term visa. You could, um, get a sponsor in Bali and we found one, but the issue is that borders shut down in Bali. So we couldn't leave the country. So if we had to leave, we would have to do quarantine, um, two weeks quarantine somewhere else and then come back. Um, at the time we were like, okay, we could do that. But then the next day, um, entry into the other countries like the borders were just closed everywhere so we couldn't leave we couldn't go so we were kind of stuck and we had to apply for an emergency stay visa which allowed us to stay in bali a little bit longer but eventually um a few months how long was i in bali i think i was in bali for like five or six months or something eventually they just said guys if you were here because of covid you have to leave now um you have to leave the country and we'll open borders again like september or something so then you could come back and yeah we didn't have a choice so we just had to leave bali and at that point um there was nowhere else for us to go so we both my boyfriend and i we both went to our home countries i'm south africa and He's in America. He's American, so obviously he went to America. And yeah, I've been, so we've both been stuck in our countries ever since all of that happened. Yeah, plans for the future, uh, definitely to go back. You know, um, I'm a, I'm still an artist. You know, I was doing acting and stuff before, so a little bit of music. And right now, I'm working on some music stuff. So that's kind of my focus right now. Um, working on music is getting me through COVID and, you know, hopefully I'll be back teaching and continuing to do that, you know, when I'm back, which is hopefully soon next month, please. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah. I find it so funny when you, at the end, you were like, we're both stuck in our home countries because I was <laughs> but it just like sounds so bizarre to say, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, I was always like, what do you mean you're stuck your home? <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not actually my, yeah, it's not my home anymore. Like I made a whole new life overseas. All my things are there. Oh my gosh, that's something else too. Like, so because of COVID, um, oh my gosh, I'm so sad even just thinking about it. Like we were paying rent for how many, like so many teachers were paying rent for months. Like how long were we in Bali? We were paying rent. And remember, if you cancel your contract, you don't get your deposits back. You don't get, and you usually end up paying like two or three months deposit. And, you know, my rent was like six and a half thousand RMB. So, you know, my boyfriend's rent was like five. No, his rent was like, no, his rent after um, utilities and everything was about six, five. Mine was six, five before utilities. After utilities, I was paying about 7,300 RMB a month, you know, and even though I wasn't there, my fridge was on so you know i don't know what else but yeah we still had to pay that so my agent was sending me like a message every month like you need to pay your you know your electricity and all these other things 
So yeah, that was rough because we were all thinking we want to hold on to our apartments. We're going to be back. Like surely they have to make a plan. Surely they can't just like force us, like keep us out the country. We residents, we stay there. Like all our things are there. (laughs) But no, we still had to pay rent. We still were like kicked out. So that was something. Then we were like, okay, that's not great. So what's the next step? We have to like cancel our lease. And we have to move our things. Yeah, well, about that. <laughs> it was so expensive to move my things. Like the cheapest quote I got was like 17,000 RMB. The average quote I got was like 20 something thousand RMB Wait, to, to move my things. Or just to move? Yeah. Okay, to ship it home. To- to, to, to ship it home, but um, to move to move was pricey too. I just can't even remember how much it was. I just remember thinking, oh my God, this is crazy, the pricing. I know you were able to ship yours for a lot less. I know I had more things, but didn't seem like I had that many things, you know. I don't know. It's something about the weight of things. I don't know, but it was crazy. I think South Africa is a lot more difficult to get to than Canada. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, I don't want to think about it. It's a sad time. <laughs> it's like, what, 16? stuff, right? So, <laughs> for some No, I, I don't have my things, so, so about that. <laughs> so, 20,000 RMB, I wasn't willing to part with that after, like, all those months of having to pay rent, and, you know, that just, that was not cool. Yeah. Um, and obviously, being stuck in... Uh, in Bali as well, you know, for during that time, you know, just paying for Bali and, you know, paying your rent and also having to pay this expensive amount of money for um, shipping your things home. It was just crazy. And the funny thing is the cheapest quote I got was, you know, through a mutual friend that we have. But I was like, this is still so expensive. How is this the cheapest quote when like a lot of other people were paying less you know but again it could have just been just because it was being sent to south africa so i i don't know it just seemed ridiculous for like a few things it's like twenty thousand rmb that was crazy to me so i wasn't able to send my stuff it was just too much money i was just gonna like leave it i was gonna be like okay whatever i'll just take the loss sadly you know all my clothes literally everything i own is there um and then a friend a very close friend of mine um just said hey just leave your stuff at my place and so i was like oh yeah i still have friends here don't i (laughs) (laughs) also honestly i think i just didn't even think about i didn't like want to bother anyone or like you know cramp up anyone's apartment with stuff you know yeah so i didn't even think of that but when she offered it to me i was just really grateful and yeah i was like thanks yeah let's do that let's save some money and yeah so all my things are still in shenzhen i really hope i go back there i don't have to buy anything new you know everything is just like i'll just get back to life so that's that's really nice fun and exciting so looking forward to that yeah which is hopefully soon hopefully next month or this month you know Honestly, I feel like yeah. living at home was a good call because I got it all shipped home. And even though it was like only, I think, 7,000 RMB, it was still a lot. You know, I literally just brought it all back in a suitcase. So, yeah. Yeah. Wait, you, you managed to bring a lot of stuff back just in your suitcase? 
Well, I only brought one. It was like a huge suitcase, but I got rid of like so many clothes at home because I was just like, I don't need these. Like, and I'm not even trying to buy new clothes in China. I think I have three different outfits that I rotate wearing to work and the rest are like outside of work clothes. And I'm just like, I don't care. You know, I bought like one new yeah. Chanel Bao yesterday for 11.11 and I'm like, yes. Like, you know, I'm just yeah. saving the money. So I'm like, get rid of it. Like, I don't even care, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but that's good. I remember speaking about like how we're gonna just you know save more. We're inter- we're more interested in traveling now and just you know doing that instead of just you know spending our money in one place and one go in one city and just you know because we both have like a that. little bit of a Taobao addiction and I'm using <laughs> like very liberally here. But yeah. <laughs> honestly, do like- they know what Taobao is? Okay, yeah, so Taobao is, like, the Amazon of China, but it has everything, and it's so cheap. Like, it's it's so dangerous because you're like, this is cheap, this is 10 bucks, this is 3 bucks, this is 5 bucks, this dress is, like, 6 bucks. Like, I'll just buy it all, and then it adds up yeah. so fast. And you and I both had that problem. <laughs> yeah, it was just so nice because I could never do that at home. Like, I'd be so broke. Like, even after that, we still have some money left, so, you know, it was nice. <laughs> I remember once you were like, I got so many things and I still have so much money. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> at that time, we both moved to the same school, like around the same time. We were like, yes, the salary is beautiful. Like, oh, yeah. oh, look at this. After Taobao, we still have money. Because the months before, like working, <laughs> working at the training, the, the other schools, like you, like you couldn't do that. No. Yeah, you'd have enough to like live in Shenzhen and be comfortable there, but you know, not a lot for traveling, I would say, and not a lot for I don't know, other things like just entertainment. Like you could either just spend your money on entertainment or you could just work and save. Like there wasn't really a balance between entertainment and saving when you work for these um private schools um or, you know, when you work in pub, when you work in, for an international school, the salary is just much better. Let's just say that. So yeah, that time we got our salary, we were so happy. We were like, yes, Taobao. <laughs> but now no more Taobao. Like, no yeah, no more Taobao. Especially like working on our businesses. And you know, I'm like, I have like other priorities that Taobao, like, you know, it's just cheap stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just stuff at the end of the day. Yeah. And you know, and then having. We- got locked out and all of our stuff is gone or at least like you know half of my stuff is gone i had to restart all exactly. my apartment so like it doesn't matter exactly how does it feel back how, how does it feel to be back now honestly my first i remember my first night here i was staying with a friend and i we went to the brew which was like the social place you were kind of talking about earlier and i was just like oh my gosh like being back it's so crazy like i was so excited for the first like four or five days obviously because it had been like a two-week quarantine to get back and like months in the making you know and now that i'm back i've only been at work for literally i think like a week and a couple days now and I'm just like I feel like I've been here for like a month like I I haven't even gotten my residence permit yet it's still in the process and I'm just like I feel like I've been here for so long because I'm just back in the swing of things like grinding you know I'm not really being social so it's kind of different but Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it but it's just like back to life so it's just that familiarity and comfortability that's like so nice yeah but then too I'm like 
oh, I need to like switch up the city because I'm so comfortable in Shenzhen, you know, but yeah. like the job is good and the friends are here. So yeah. And yeah. it is like those nice vacations that you get where you get to travel and things. And I know how, I know you said that you might not be staying there that long this time around so you know there's also that you know with you saving and stuff so yeah you know just stay stay while you stay there stay there why can't i speak today stay <laughs> there while you can and wait till i get back before you think i'm going anywhere don't be soon yes hopefully okay okay so <laughs> just one more thing so why don't you like just Say what you're up to now because I think it's like really cool and awesome what you've kind of been working on in South Africa and like where people can listen and find you and whatnot. Yeah, like I said earlier, I was just um, using this time to work on music under a different name. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't even know. Um, I was using my stage name for acting work and I was like, I don't want to have a stage name for acting work and a different stage name for acting or go by my real name. I don't know. So I just thought, you know, it's creative medium, same industry kind of entertainment industry. So yeah, I use, I'm using my um, stage name, which is Carmelita. Um, for music and acting um and my what is, what is it called what do the kids say these days <laughs> what is the the name for <laughs> oh my god i'm acting so dumb right now my social media name handle. okay handle there we go oh my gosh <laughs> i'm such a granny i'm just being like cooped up all this time <laughs> My social media handles, okay, usually um, on, on most platforms, it's Carmelita um, Official Music. Instagram is Carmelita underscore underscore music. Yeah, and I'm working on some pop and R&B songs, so if that's your thing, please check me out. You know, appreciate I, the support. Thanks in advance. Really good. Like, I literally just, like, put it on and I, like, jam out and on, like, Spotify. And I'm like, yeah, like, this is my friend. Like, so dope. But, like, even if you were my friend, like, I would still just jam out to it. Because it's, like, it's such a chill song. Like, yeah, thank you so much. I was like, I know I spoke to you about it before I even, like, put it out. I was like, I don't know if I should put this out. Like, I'm not too sure. But, yeah, I think you you helped convince me to just, like, do it. I've been wanting to do it for a while anyway, so, you know, why not? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I'm really passionate about music, so, yeah, I just decided, what the heck, let me just – and I worked with a really, really talented producer in um, here in Cape Town. So, yeah, he does, he does amazing things, and he's a DJ as well. Um, yeah, so it was just a really fun project, professional – I'm just really excited. I'm really excited about it now. So <laughs> now that it's out there, yeah. And I'm hoping to promote it some more and do more with that, you know. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Well, I feel like that was super informational, which is awesome. So thank you so much. And uh, definitely have you back on again to get some more good info from you. Okay. And we are done with the interview. So thank you so much for listening and I hope that you gleaned some awesome insight from Emmy and her struggles and her journey and I hope that it will help you in your journey in some way or another. I will be back very soon with a couple other guests that I have met in China 
and just throughout my different walks of life as well as some more solo apps in the future. So please subscribe and be sure to keep an eye out for upcoming podcasts. Until then, have an awesome day.